You can text your, your questions in, and, um, and, we will, and we will do our best by God's grace. The, glo- the goal is to answer them as biblically as possible. And so they can be questions that um, you personally have, someone you know has, um, or they can be questions that, um, that you think that the church... Oh, oh wow, coming, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Child, um, no, nothing is off limits. Nobody's going to judge you. Uh, we'll do our best. If we can't answer the question, we'll, we'll be honest and tell you we don't know the answer. So we got a bunch of questions coming in. Uh, just so that you know, you want to tell them a little about, a bit about ourselves before we, before we jump in? Ourselves or our story? Our story, go for it. Okay, so interesting fact. Um, I was not into my husband when I first met him. <laughs> um, After she just finished complimenting me, but she throws there's shade. There's miracles, right? God of, God of miracles. <laughs> Shade City, bro. <laughs> we're keeping it. We're keeping it real and uncensored. No, okay. that's our, that's our story. Our story is that we knew each other since we met at 13 years old at a campground. Mm-hmm. Our two. I was a nerd. I was the typical nerd off in the corner. She was hot. All the guys wanted to get with her. I was 13. Come on, guys. Well, <laughs> that was a big deal when I was 13, and I used to be off in the corner like <laughs> I wish I wish I could be with her. And all the dudes were trying to get with her and stuff. So we met at a campground. Our families were friends or knew of each other growing up. And um, so I met him originally when we were 13. Going back in high school, um, I saw him in high school. We ended up going to the same college, which is crazy. Two Canadians that went to the same college in Michigan. And uh, I think we both were going through life transition. Mm-hmm. And we, were, we used to meet up. He would call me a groupie. I was not a groupie. She was a groupie guy. <laughs> she was a groupie. He used to play the bass at a, um, this gossip group. And I used to come to the rehearsals because my friends were in the group. So he just sit down at the rehearsals all the time, just mm-hmm. weighing in um, in the music. And we just started really just connecting. It was very, you know, we're, we went to school in Michigan. So we were the very few Canadians. So I recognized him being Canadian. Mm-hmm. But I was just really, just, he was just Andrew V from high school. Like, <laughs> That's what they used to call me, and, Andrew um, V and Doodoo Fingers. But that's another story. <laughs> that's another story. Um, so, yeah, we, rec- we really weren't really into each other. But one day he actually left, and he was uh, in minister, minister training to become. A- I guess I can pick it up here. Okay, okay. So, yes, I was getting ready to enter ministry, and I was praying on the sideline like, God, I really need a somebody to be beside me, um, you know, in along this journey and entering into pastoral ministry. I was 19. Um, I started pastoring when I was 20. And I was like, Lord, I really would just love to have someone. And so as I was praying and, you know, I was in a thirsty state, friends, if I could just keep it 100. And so I was trying so hard. I was trying to connect with with uh, with with lady after lady thinking she might be the one, you know, and. It, the doors just kept closing, closing, closing. And, um, she, you know, Chantal and I started hanging out uh, just on the Canada tip, like, because it's really hard to find people that understand, like, Canadian, Caribbean culture in the United States, especially in Michigan. And so we were just, you know, we were together and we used to hang out every now and again. She was just grouping and crushing at the same time and, um, and unbeknownst to me. But, uh, <laughs> but we ended up... Uh, I, it ended up where the Lord told me one day, he was just like, he was just like, you're so busy looking out for who you're supposed to be with that you don't realize that who you're looking for is right under your nose. That was preaching, eh? That was a message to somebody right here. Look at your neighbor, tell them they might be under your nose. <laughs> <laughs> and so, 
And so, um, I, I, you know, the quick, I guess to go ahead. The quick story, we, he was getting licensed and he invited me to come to his license, license, licensure. Yeah. It's his first like, public message to preach. And he went in a car with another female to go sure up to, um, <laughs> to this uh, program. I went up. And on the way back home, we ended up coming in the same car back together. Mm-hmm. And at the time, he was asking me um, advice on how yeah. to get, up with, get with this girl. Sure was. And so I'm there giving him advice about how to get with this girl. And um, then it didn't work out. <laughs> clearly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, he started giving, I started giving him advice. And then we ended up getting, we had a couple of our hookups. Mm-hmm. But um, later, I guess a couple weeks later, he randomly, this is a little, how crazy. But, okay, well, I'll let you say that. But I, I I'm, I'm skipping a lot. I'm skipping, skipping a lot of stuff. But randomly one day, we were, um, after our worship experience, we were in a car with some other friends. We were not by ourselves. And he turned around and said to me, um, <laughs> he turned around, he turned to me and said, you know what, I've been praying and the Lord showed me you're supposed to be my wife and the mother of my children. And I was like, what? Straight no chasing. I was like, uh, can I go? Like, this is awkward. This is weird. Um, but what, which was, what was actually really crazy about that, the night that he told me that, we were sitting in that worship experience, and he sat, I think, behind me, and I sat in the same. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, you see that guy, Andrew? That's gonna, you're going to be with him. I'm like, who, him? No. And for him to come to me to say that to me, I was just like, this is very awkward. Like, for him to tell me that the Lord told him that and the Holy Spirit told me that same evening that, we might potentially hook up. I thought that was interesting. So I dodged him for like a month because I was like awkward. She just got out the car after I said that and just went to her room. It was so, <laughs> so messed up. Awkward. And but I was crazy. Who, who wouldn't run if somebody yeah. told you that, right? For the short amount of it, um, we started talking. And for three months, we, I journaled and prayed like, God, who is this the man that you have for me? And I actually had this journal today questioning God, really, is he him? Is it supposed to be him? And um, that's kind of the short, we can go in de- more detail later on of our story. And I'm just going to say this really quickly, just so you understand, um, because somebody actually asked this question, how did we know that we were the one for each other? So this is the answer to your question. Uh, and I'll just say this one part, just so you know, I wasn't completely crazy. You know, I was sitting in a cafeteria and I had told the Lord, I said, God, there was somebody I had stolen some jerseys from. Can I just keep it real? That was the, beef, that was the before, the BC, Pastor Drew. Uh, and so before Jesus time, and so I had stolen some jerseys and I, from a pastor, actually. The irony, right? And I was like, before I enter ministry, I have to go and apologize to this pastor for jacking his jerseys. And I hadn't seen him for a couple years, so I'm like, this is going to be a miracle if I see him. But um, I went to her and I told her in the cafeteria, she was sitting on this side of the table, I was sitting on this side of the table, and I was backing the, the cash register line. And she looks at me and she said, or I I looked at her and I said, you know what, Chantal, I have to tell you something really serious, something that God's put on my heart because he told me she's my wife and the mother of my children. That's what I heard, y'all. That's why I said it that way. And I said, well, before I tell you, I have to apologize to Pastor Batiste for stealing his jersey. I don't know how I'm going to get in contact with him, but I need to apologize for him for teething his jerseys. And then she goes, turn around. And I turn around and guess who's paying for their food in the grocery line at that very moment. Pastor Batiste. Isn't that crazy? So I knew for sure. (laughs) I hadn't seen this guy in a while. 
And he's standing right there behind me at that moment. And so that was my confirmation, you know, that I had to tell her. And I told her, nonetheless, here we are. She is my wife and the mother of my three babies, (laughs) y'all. So the Lord was was telling the truth. So anyways, that's a little bit about our story. And we're going to jump in. Uh, One of the questions is, is it okay for... um a married person to have have friends with the opposite sex? Good question. I think it's the same question, I think, um, outside of marriage, too. Or if you're, if you're dating. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, so I'm a firm believer. Uh, where I came from, I remember my old job, people had work spouses. Have you ever heard of work spouses? Mm. I'm so against work spouses. Um, spending 40 hours a week plus with a person with the opposite sex, you're setting yourself up for failure. Come on. You're sharing um, like issue, issues that's going on at home or even your life issues. It's creating a relationship with someone that really should be of your spouse information. And the enemy loves to get into um, get get in relationships and think that like, oh, we're just friends. You know, it's, it's not, we're like, we're not, we're not doing anything. We're not even going for lunch. We're just, we're just talking. Well, you're talking, you're building trust with somebody and you want to have, this is what happens. I see it. I seen it at work all the time. Oh, I feel so bad. Like he's doing that to you. You deserve better girlfriend. Like, please. And they start believing like, yeah, I do deserve better. Like you should leave him. And they start planting seeds of doubt. They start telling you that like, you know what, maybe you should, you know, take a break, and that's, it's a lot, and the thing is, what's so crazy about that, a lot of times that people who are giving advice, they're not even giving godly advice, they're giving their personal opinion, there's a difference between personal opinion and biblical perspective, they're not the same thing, at all, Preach. and most people think, oh, well, th- th- what happened, what I know, what happened to me, I don't care what happened to you, what does the Bible say, because a lot of times, a lot of people are speaking out of hurt, and about their experience, so I don't think you should be, um, you can be friends, in the sense that um, my husband and I, we have friends, but we're never, I'm never alone with my husband's friends, or my friends' husbands, um, we don't share secrets with um, other friends, we don't share personal experiences um, at all, I have a husband. Why do I need other people? I don't understand. Like, I don't need other people to share that type of relationship with. So boundaries is important. Um, I think that that's so intentional. You always have to remember this, man. If you give if the enemy, the enemy, John 10, 10 is the premise for all of the enemy's attacks. You know, he comes to do what? To steal, kill, and what? Destroy. That's his plan. Um, and so if you give him a crack, guess what? He's going to bust your life wide open. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the way. He's just looking for a crack. He's just looking for something to get in, and he often uses that. Somebody actually asked this, and this is a, uh, to kind of piggyback off of that, friends with the opposite sex who are separated. And um, again, I think that it is all subjective. Like, what, how are you, every, every relationship that you're in, including friendships, since we're talking about sex, love, and relationships, every, question, every relationship that you're in has to be intentional. And you really have to ask yourself, is this connection that I have one that can bring glory to God? Or is it one that will push myself and or the other person in, in the opposite direction? And so I think that in every relationship that we have, you always have to ask your question. I think actually um, you, you brought this out the last time that we talked, the importance of really questioning the fact like, do you have to be ashamed about something like this? And you and I know when we're in and we're connected to something and we have to sneak Whenever there's sneakiness that's involved, whenever you get that check, you know you have that check, you know, and oftentimes we're like, we know this thing shouldn't be there, or we know that potentially this can lead to um, 
to something that is, you know, that is ungodly, we shouldn't set ourselves you know up what? for failure. Even if the opposite sex has no intention of doing anything, why even just put yourself in that situation? It's just, it's just better not to put yourself in that situation, um, even if there's no intention of it going any further or even inappropriateness. Um, I don't think. And this is in the premise if you're married or dating. Like, if you're single, come on now. You should be meeting people. Like, yeah. you know, you want to talk to the people. You want to learn more about the person. That's, a, like, a, in a proper, healthy way. But when you are committed and made a decision to one person, there should be no reason why you have to be um, telling people your personal information and, like, engaging in that type of relationship. Mm-hmm. You're setting yourself up. Because the enemy, I'm telling you, the enemy is setting you up for just a little bit of a crack. I remember at work... And it was, we were just work buddies, and we went to a meeting, and I was about to walk into the meeting, and the guy poked me. And I was just like, this is very awkward. Them is fighting words. (laughs) And I was just like... In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's just my friend, like just a friend at work. But you know, I said, like, you know what? That's actually really inappropriate. I'm married. I have children. That can lead. And then you know what? It, is? it was a test, probably. How far will I really go? It starts with a poke. And if I accept the poke, okay. And then I, he sent me emails at work, and it was like kind of gray area, like gray emails. Like I don't know if it could mean something else or. It just, that's all, it takes one step, you know what, oh, no, it, it didn't really mean anything. And then, it t- it's, then it's the next step of, okay, let's have lunch together. Like, oh, yeah, I'm meaning to meet with you for, to talk about something. Let's have lunch. Then we go have lunch. And it's innocent lunch. And then it's like, you know, I'm having problems at home with my, um, with my wife. And can you give me a little bit of advice? You're a woman. You, you know more. And I'm like, okay. And then it was like, oh, let me walk you to your car. And then it became like, oh, a little touch over when you're opening the door for the person. It just, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, the enemy can just so, it's just little slight things. See, Candace is over there shaking her head. She's like, no, no, no. Trust me. I'm telling you, like, I, I've seen this. And so instead of even, like, it going there, let's say, you know what, I don't do lunch. And you know what, just don't touch me. It's inappropriate. I just, like, let's stop that right there. I, I didn't appreciate the poke. And that led to a door that does not need to be opened. I'll say this too, you know, like, and I just, again, I want to reiterate the fact that a lot of us have the connections that we do because we're thirsty, you know, and if you're single, oftentimes we connect with people because we want to have that companionship. And at the end of the day, I want you to understand that you have to raise the standard for yourself. Anything you try to manufacture, like if you're connected, don't go and be with a, and, and start connecting with a married man or a married woman for those who are in here, just because you're thirsty for a relationship. God is a God that if he can provide worms for the sparrows, come, come on, on somebody. And if he can provide a Chantal for a crazy looking dude like me, <laughs> then he definitely can provide somebody for you as well. So don't lower your standards to because you're so desperate. You ever been to the grocery store? And, and I had to stand up for a second. I just felt a preach just right there. But you ever been to the grocery store when you're hungry? Isn't that the worst when you go to the grocery store when you're hungry? You go and you buy every single thing that you're, that you buy nothing that you're supposed to buy. You show up with all sorts of candies and, oh, I felt like eating jerk chicken and I felt like eating this stuff. You never even tasted it before, but you'd walk by it and it just caught your eye, you know. And you end up with that, but you buy nothing that you went to the grocery store for. Because you should not shop when you're in a place of desperation. Don't let desperation guide your decisions. You can tweet that. 
Desperation shouldn't guide your decision. You're better than desperation. You, if you're saved, you have the Holy Ghost. You pray, God will direct you. And if some people, you might, that might mean that you have to wait for a period of time. Some of you have been waiting for years. But I'm telling you, man, you keep on waiting. God will give you somebody clean. You know, some of you think that you're someone's best kept secret. You're actually their skeleton in their closet. Mercy. Say that again. Some of us, we feel like we're somebody's best kept secret. Oh, his wife is never going to find out. You know, oh, this is, I'm so special. Uh, her husband is, you know, her husband, yes, is not going to find out because I'm so special. Um, or, and, or, or we're, they're separated. Oh, they, they, it doesn't matter anywhere. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm offering him services and I'm just trying to help things out. And you don't recognize that you're actually a skeleton in their closet. And it just takes one second for them to forget about you and forget that you ever existed. Can I just keep it 100 this morning? You are more valuable than that. In fact, preach to somebody. Tell them you are valuable. You are valuable. Look at somebody else. Tell them God died for you. Come on. You're valuable. You were bought with a price. Stop settling for, for, for every, everything that comes out there. Go ahead, baby. Oh, I was just going to read a question. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Sorry. My bad. If I see uh, my boyfriend talking to um, another girl... Do I, do I um, seem like I'm insecure? What should I do about that? Go for it. I think you just got to check your motives. Um, check your motives. Check your heart. Like, and also check the girl. Like, maybe that she's really trying to be nice or that's not her intention. I think you have to do two things. Don't be naive either because I've been there. Don't be naive thinking that, oh, they're just, she's just being nice. Um, just really put your... Your discernment eyes on in your in your heart, and like you know, just check. Like, is it really their character? Are they really after my man, or is it just me heightened jealousy? And if it is jealousy, you got to pray about it. Like, Lord, show me how to um, not be jealous of this person. And also check your and then check your heart. Like, um, is it just I'm like I'm acting that way because I've had a bad experience in the past, and I'm just like really nervous, or is it that um, I that's something that I just really need to work out on. Yeah. I, don't know if it, and I don't know if it's being insecure either. I think it, it depends on, um, I think just to check, check your, where you are in yourself. Yeah, because some people, they say, and I want to get to that one, okay. but some people say they're insecure, but you're actually, it's actually intuition, you know? Um, so there are some people who are overly insecure, but there are some people that it's just intuition. Like, you're actually getting a check about that connection that, that your spouse or your boyfriend or somebody might have, you know? And, um, and then sometimes it's just trust issues. It's just, like you're saying, stuff that you need to work through. Uh, somebody else is asking, can some forms of sexual activities in marriage be considered sinful in the eyes of God? Regar- um, and you're saying, should we have limits when it comes to experimenting with sex in marriage? Very good question. And the answer to that question is you are free to explore. And we, we actually talked about um, in Proverbs and if you look extensively through the Song of Solomon, how uh, Solomon talks about how we are supposed to enjoy our spouse and have sexual exploration. The thing that I would ask, though, and this is where we would where we where um, it becomes an area because I'm not going to get in your bedroom and tell you what you need to do. Or if you want to swing from the chandeliers, go ahead. That's up to you. Whatever floats your boat, whatever wets your whistle, that's up to you. But at the end of the day, right, you have to consider what is the motive behind what it is that you're doing. Is it because you watch pornography and you brought that into your marriage? Come on, somebody. Because some of us, or, or let me even say this, is it, it's not even about the act or the position or the whatever it is, 
It's about where is it coming from and, and are you trying to enforce something on your spouse, right, that you brought from a previous relationship or, or, outside, or from an ungodly context. I should not be watching pornography to get ideas to bring in to my, in my marriage bed. Come on, somebody. Because if we can be real, a lot of what's in pornography is acting and it's fake. And many of us, we bring these things into the bedroom and the motive behind it is that we're, you know, that we're, we're copying ungodly instances. I think that whatever you, that in sex, sex ought to be mutual. Sex ought to be something that you and your spouse agree upon. And whatever it is that you are doing, yes, as 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I love that chapter, y'all. It talks about how uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 7 says, The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And so, and then he says, goes on and says, don't deprive one another. So biblically, our, in, in, the, in, in our marriage, we're supposed to serve one another sexually, and we have to agree. It's possible for you to rape your spouse in marriage. <gasps> if I threw you a surprise party. Anyone who is being forced to do something, right? If you're taking advantage of somebody in your marriage, it's not consensual. There's no love in it. That's, that's you taking advantage even of your spouse. So did, did you not know you could take advantage of your spouse in marriage? Mm-hmm. You know? And so whatever you're doing sexually, where is it coming from? What's the motivation? And also, is it consensual or is it something that you're forcing upon your spouse even though you're, they're uncomfortable with it? Amen? I'm insecure about being a virgin and single in my 30s. It seems like everyone else is having fun and gaining experience. How do I deal with these doubts and fears? I don't think it should be insecure. I think it should be something if you made a decision to keep your body for your spouse and um, do it God's way, I think that's something that should be um, celebrated that you've made that decision and not feel pressured. Because trust me, like go ahead and do it. You're, you're opening a can of worms. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're in a better place. But I think you really have to go by, go back to why are you keeping yourself for marriage? Check your motives again. And remember that, you know, this is something, a gift I want to give to my spouse. I want to honor God with my body and honor my future spouse. And if you keep in context why you're doing this, I think you remember. And, if you, mm. and not to compare your life to other people, but if you look at your friends that are living a life that they're not happy fully. And there comes with other baggage that comes with um, having sex out of marriage. And so it might look good like you look watch the tv shows that's fake um even though people say they have a great sex life even though they're not married it comes with other things attached to that um with as well and there's a gift into that let's know why you're keeping yourself for your spouse into marriage recognize that and remember that that's such a great motivation you know, that's such a great, and I, and I love Paul's admonishment. I'm going to just biblically as well. He says in that same first Corinthians chapter seven, in fact, you know what? You just need to write that down. And when you go home, just read the whole chapter uh, because it has some really good things in there uh, for singles and also for people who are married. You know, he, he says in verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And he goes on and he just talks about the blessing of being single. Um, that's not the way that society presents it, 
But I want you to just say this with me. Say, there's a blessing in being single. And he goes on and he says, he actually says earlier on, he's like, if you're single, he's like, don't be anxious and don't be seeking to be married. Again, it's like that concept of not being thirsty. Instead, maximize your singleness. He says the single person is anxious about how they can serve the Lord. While the time when you, when you have the gift of singleness, right, you don't need marriage to make your life better. Come on, somebody. In fact, some of us are not ready to be married because we haven't become whole when we're single. Mercy, that's good. Say it again. Forget, forget. <laughs> Some of us are not ready to be married because we're not whole when we're single. Can I tell you that marriage math doesn't make sense? One whole plus one whole equals one marriage. Mm. It's not, you're not half or incomplete outside of marriage. You need to be a whole person before you even get to marriage. My wife... Before she got with me, God had delivered her from her from her past and the sexual experience she had. She was traveling all traveling to Africa and Lebanon and the, all over the Middle East, preaching and doing her thing. You know, not even thinking about a man. She was out there snapping, doing her thing. And for me, the same was the case. And when the Lord put that you know thought in my heart in terms of getting with someone. He revealed to me when, when, uh, when that time was right. So we were whole as single individuals, and we were maximizing being unmarried before we got married. So if you're single, don't look at yourself as being half. Change your perspective. Your attitude and your perception of yourself will determine your, your altitude. Sow so much seed in this life that you can look back at your life pri- when you do get married. You can look back at your life prior to marriage and you can say, man, I maximize this thing, you know, and uh, yeah, go for it. And what you don't want to happen, you do not want to be married and wishing to be single. Preach. Don't want to be married and wish to be single. So maximize your singleness every day. There comes new challenges in marriage. It's not the answer to singleness. Mm -hmm. So much goes on to that. But this is a good question here. My husband has a gambling problem and gambles off all our money. I'm not able to pay bills and take care of our child properly. I want to do the right thing in God's eyes. What should I do? Hmm, very good question. Did you want to? I answered the last two. Please start. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a, very, that's a very serious one. Well, I'm sorry to hear that that's the case with whoever that's exper- of you that's experiencing that. Um, that, is, that is a horrible thing to happen. And um, I would say that, you know, uh, my question would be, have you talked to somebody about it? Have you gone out and, you know, spoke with maybe someone who's close to him that has his ear? Well, actually, I would actually say, do you have an ear with him, firstly? I'm assuming that you probably have went, gone and spoken to him and that you've, um, you've talked to him in regards to this and maybe he has not listened. I don't know. If you haven't spoken, I would say that, you know, um, depending on your relationship, it would be important to address, it, address him personally. If you've addressed him and he's not responding, I would say speak to someone who has his ear. I don't know who it is um, that has his ear, but speak to that person in regards to your concern and challenge them to, um, to talk to him in regards to that. If none of those things work, then, you know, um, of course, we would talk about prayer and prayer is very important. And you may need to prayerfully take some next steps if you're if your efforts in terms of prayer, if your efforts in terms of confrontation 
if your efforts in terms of seeking someone to give that person some counsel are not working, then you might need to consider making some steps such as separation uh, to get that person's attention, to let them know that this is important. Because you definitely don't want your children to be in a scenario where they're being deprived or they're being hurt, they're not being taken care of. And so if the situation is not getting better and no avenues, no efforts are being uh, made to, uh, to rectify the situation, then you, then you want to make sure that you and your family are okay. You got anything in regards to that? No, I think you hit on a good point. I think um, also, I think also make sure you're in the right place to talk to the person. Mm-hmm. Take care of yourself. Make sure you're not speaking out of anger or malice. Mm-hmm. That also changes the situation. When you approach someone and when you're angry, it never turns out good. Make sure you're prayerful yourself, that you are level-headed. You're like, okay, you're ready to deal with this. But if you are, are angry and upset, a lot of words come out. And things that should never come down. And what happens, it's another issue that leads to another issue. Come on. Stay focused on what that issue is at hand and pray like, Lord, you know, my husband's gambling. You know, it's affecting our children. And be strong. Come, try to, try to fight for your family from a strong place, not a weak place or a, a frustrated place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh tongue or a harsh word stirs up anger. So definitely keep that in mind um, as, it is, as you confront your husband or if you deal with... That's a communication rule in general across the board. What's next? Oh, man. Um, We're all coming in, eh? How do you get over wanting someone who has done you dirty? Ooh. Well. <laughs> do you want to take that you since can, I did the gambling you, you one? You can start it off. Wow. How do you get over? Man, that is a... You know, it depends on... I'm assuming that you may have been um, involved with the person. If you've been sexually involved, as I shared, uh, it's real, that's when it's harder to rip away from somebody because there's that adhesive that's meant to be permanent. Um, but it might be emotional adhesive as well. And whatever the case is, I would say that um, that, that type of healing, it comes spiritually. You know, I'll tell you this. We often, oftentimes want to try to counsel away our... Uh, our, our feelings in those cases, we oftentimes want to try to, you know, talk away these things with our friends. And there's nothing wrong with communicating in that regard. But how many of you know that there's no healing like the healing that comes from God's spirit? Come on. And um, there's some people that I have been attached to in that regard, man, that I've expended myself in tons of ways after they have done me dirty, the dirtiest possible, you know. But at the end of the day, just being in that place of prayer and being in that place of, you know, seeking God, asking God for healing in that place. It's like, God, heal that place that is hurting for that person. Heal that place that still desires to be with that person that, he, that's hurt, that hurt me. Give me. Help me to recognize that poison and to really feel the way I need to feel about that poison. When you jump into a freezing pool initially, it's a shock, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, this thing is so cold. But what happens after you've been in the pool for a while? You get acclimated to the water, right? That thing that shocked you, that thing that was freezing and chilling to your bones, it becomes no longer that way. And that's what happens with a lot of us in relationships. And so when somebody does you dirty, you're comfortable in the water already. So it's not freezing to you anymore. It's a bad relationship. It's a toxic relationship. And you no longer feel the way that you're supposed to feel about it. But how many of you know that God can bring you back to a place where you can feel and view 
the relationship, and your emotions can be repaired to the place where you can come out of that thing. So I would say prayer, prayer, prayer. Yes, talk. Yes, counsel. But pray and ask God to heal you in that part, and he'll break it off. Trust me. That's good. Well, the question is, who pays for the first date? Ha! <laughs> huh. I think the guy should pay for the first date. For the first date, and the reason why I say that, I want to know. I want to know. And all the can, women said, "Amen." No, I want to know that. I want to know that he can take care of me. Yeah. What did you say, madam? Especially if he asked, she said. Come, come if you on, ask now. me out, you better pay for me, child. <laughs> take me out, ask me out, and then be like, um, "Excuse me, honey, can you?" Uh, I, I, I forgot my wallet in the, in, in the... You know your wallet's in your back pocket, you cheap mug. Anyway. No, I think, the, I think the guy should pay the first day. I think I want to know that... Um, are you good with your money? Uh, I want to know where you're going to take me. I want to know... I think it's, it says a lot by a man where they take you. Um, it doesn't have to be, say, expensive, but just their choice of um, restaurant. I, th- I want to know that you can take care of me when... Trust me, when my husband was trying to get with... Or we were... Actually, we were engaged or getting engaged and he, he wanted to get married I was hard I was like can you pay the bills what are you gonna do if I ever get pregnant after I get married what are you gonna do I was like on him he was like chill chill I was like no she's at year 10 of marriage and we didn't we dated no I was like you know what you know you marrying me my dad you know what are you gonna say to my dad what are you gonna do he was like chill I was like no I want you to know you can take care of me are you gonna willing to work at McDonald's when we have no money like what are you gonna do when oh, there's man, nothing oh man this is getting too good to the ladies right now they just <laughs> No, I was on him because I was like, life happens. It does. And I want to know how hard, how hard are you willing to take care of me if something happens? God forbid, not God forbid, as a blessing. Within, say, God forbid we came home after a honeymoon I got pregnant. Can you take care of us if I can't, if I can't work again? And you know what's so funny about that? Literally, within six months of marriage... I was living in the U.S. I had no immig- my uh, my visa ran up, so I had, they took away my visa. I could not work mm-hmm. for almost almost a year. And guess what? Who was home? A stay-at-home good wife. Me. Well, my husband had to figure out how we we're going to pay our bills because I had no longer could not work. My I had a salary job, full-time job that I had to leave, flying all over the U.S. I was a recruiter, loving my life. Paradigm. Everything's paid for. Living out of a suitcase, and all of a sudden I turned into a, a stay-at-home wife. I have a degree. You know how humbling that was? So it was. It was so humbling. And I was like, okay, what are you about to do now? I was like, told you. And the situation actually happened. And you know what? My husband took care of us. Or to, I was know. working them 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. shifts. Like, it, for, for $8 an hour, you know, back at super minimum wage. And, um, yeah, and she realized I was about it, about it. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when I was like, I had asked for money. I never had to ask for money. Like, I had my first job at 14. Like, I was working. My dad went 10, made me get a paper route. Okay? Like, I was working for almost 10. Is that true, father-in-law? Yes. He made, me, he? he made me work, right? <laughs> and so, when I was the first time since I was probably in my teenage that I didn't have my own money, I had to ask my husband, can I have some money to buy something? And, like, I was humbled. But you never know the situation that you might be in. True. And so, I find, to go back to the first date question, is... That showed me that my husband's willing to take care of anything for me in the situation. You know, somebody asks, is masturbation a sin? That's a quick answer. Um, Masturbation in the context of marriage, if it's preparing you to be sexual with your spouse, um, or if it's with your spouse, then that's not sinful. Masturbation outside of marriage, the question again would be, what are you... um, 
what are you doing this for? You know, and what is, it, is the purpose? And is it glorify God? Is it that's it? Is it glorifying God? Do you are, the, Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter five? I believe that if you lust in your mind, that it's the same thing as if you've done the thing, right? And uh, so, if you're outside of marriage and you're masturbating, why are you awakening lust um, at that time? When you don't, you know, when you're not married and usually people masturbate, if we can keep it real, people masturbate to pornography, you know, Um, uh, and some other people masturbate some other ways. But it awakens lust in your mind and it puts you in a position where you're preparing yourself or you're opening yourself sexually um, before, you know, before the time is, is supposed to be right. You, would you say that that's right? Yeah, you answered it very, very good. Okay, and I think there's one question here and I think we'll close on this one. Um, unless you see one that, you know, or maybe we'll close on too. But somebody's asking, is it right to live together before you're married? It's actually a very good question. Do you got something for that, sweetie? I don't know too many people that live together that are not having sex. <laughs> okay. So from that standpoint, we talked about um, what, what does the Bible talk about having sex before marriage? Um, I think you're setting yourself up if you are having sex with a person living with them before marriage. Um, I think yeah. back in the day with like three's company, they used to hang out together and Jack Tripper really wished that he could, he could get with those two young ladies, but now nah, they weren't having it, you know? Um, but if you're in a relationship with somebody and you're, you know, and you see you're setting yourself up for failure, obviously you can live in a house with someone and, um, and, and nothing sexual happens. But if you're in a relationship and you're, you know, um, you're living together, um, you know, especially for ladies that put themselves in that position, um, you know, if the guy wants, don't, don't let the guy have the milk before he buys the cow. You know, the question, it's more about don't live like you're married if you're not married. Why are you playing house? Playing house is for two-year-olds. You know, if somebody wants to be with you, let him invest in it. Let him, if he wants it, let him put a ring on it. Come on, somebody. Let there be some sort of investment. Um, don't, and, and just think about that perception, even for those who are Christians and are living together, putting yourselves in that position, you might understand your position, but people looking from the outside, what type of a witness does that send to those on the outside? You know, but, what it's, is, but it's saving us money. I know, right? That's a very good, people be rebutting like that. It's saving us money. Well, the same God that's, see, this, we, we think we have to do our own thing for God to save us money. Mm. God can, God, you think God's, God can't save you money if you don't live with somebody? You know, God is still God, and he's still a provider, whether you're living with somebody or you're not living with somebody. And I'll tell you this, he's, it, you're in a better position for him to do the miraculous and to provide for you when you live according to his plan than when you do outside of his plan. Come on, somebody. And so I'm not trying to down anybody, not trying to judge anyone. If that's where you are, that's where you are. But there's grace for you. If you guys really are committed to one another, get married. If you're loving one another, you know you're supposed to be, get married. But if not, stop living like you're married when you're not married. Put more value on yourself and more value on your relationship. I hope that answers the question.